This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Clap, clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands Podcast. Hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. It's off the Leonard. Defended by Simmons. Is this the Tiger? Oh, day of the kicks below the waist. Welcome back. It's the <laughs> midday the show. It feels like it. I feel like groin. Yeah, it's a groin. That was the kick in the groin. That one was a lot, lot of those over the last 10 years of the Sixers. Welcome back. Midday show. Hugh Douglas, Joe Giglio, 215-592-9494. As we relitigate the process, we're all voting today. I think Kyle's going to call this Except a mistrial yep. because L.A. gets a vote. He doesn't. Uh, I get a vote, and I say, no, this was not worth it. Hugh gets a vote. He says, say yes. yes, it was. It was, and you guys get one too. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. All right, we'll have Ike join us coming up at one thirty. I think he's still a Kool Aid drinker on all this. And right Ooh. now, yeah, I'm really excited for this next one. And we'll he get Kool Aid drinker. Yeah, see him. He's just he's drinking Kool Aid. But I'm excited for this next segment because we have two guests here to give their opinion. And Hugh, I, I used to get a front row seat to this, so you know, I would say about uh, my timeline might be off. Maybe six or seven years ago. I was doing a lot of, like, let's say 10, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. kind of shows. Mm-hmm. And I would come on after Jody, who often was on doing, like, final out with the Phillies. So Jody would be on, and I'd be on after Jody and that kind of stuff. And um, Kyle Newbeck, who we talk to a lot now from Philly Voice and, of course, the Clap Your Hands podcast, he would be our desk assistant, cutting sound and, and doing behind-the-scenes stuff. And Jody McDonald and, and Kyle Newbeck would go back and forth on the merits of the process, draft stuff, the whole thing. And here we are you know, years later, and we're still doing it. So let's welcome these guys. And first, let's let's welcome in, and this is his first time joining us together on the show, Jody Mack. Jody, how you doing today? Jody. I have, I have a question. Yes. If Ike is drinking Kool-Aid, does that make it Ike juice? You know what? Hearing him talk pro-process at this point, it must be spiked with something, Joe Jody. It is. <laughs> it's Ike juice, for sure. Ike juice. Wow, Ike has a song. I didn't, he, I didn't know Oh, that. yeah, it's the Ike You juice. didn't know that, you? I did not know Come that. Come on, they've been playing that thing for years. I haven't heard that. Not, now that I know that, I, I definitely need that drop. Yeah, That's any smart. drink you have, it could be Ike juice. Jody, <laughs> welcome <laughs> to the show. Jody, I, I, I know what you're going to say, but I want to hear it anyway. Jody, was it worth it? Was the process worth it? As the way you frame the question, is it worth it? There are three possible answers for me, and this is just the way I look at it. Two of them are in play. 
One of them is not. TBD, to be determined. As long as Joel Embiid is here because he was part of the process, you can say, well, it's yet to be determined. Mm. Because as long as Joel's still here, we can't slam the book shut on it. Or you can just flat out say no. The only answer you can't give is yes. There is no possible way that you can say yes. As of today, we know the process was worth it. The only uh, uh, outlet that you have is, well, we'll hold off. Wait till see what happens with Joel. And you can say 2BD. You know I'm a no guy. Uh, I'll give you the 2BD. If you want to take it, I'll give it. But if you say that's not an option, Jody, it's got to be a yay or a nay. Well, then, of course, it's a nay. Let's welcome in our next guest with you, a guy that you know well, we know well, and I know for a long time he was a yes on this. Let's see if he still is. Kyle Newbeck, Philly Voice, the Clap Your Hands podcast. Kyle, I feel like we're back in the old studio on on 400 Market, you know, about six years, seven years ago. Yeah, you know, the amazing thing is after all those arguments I had with Jody in the hallways, he still calls me and asks me to come on his radio show now. So clearly – Good, good-natured, good fun, no mean-spirited arguments, but definitely a lot of yelling between Jody and I over the years. <laughs> well, it was. Well, Kyle, Kyle's gotten smarter over the years, Joe. You have to acknowledge <laughs> that. He, well, he's he's kind of grown up here. He has. But now let's see if his opinions changed on the process. Kyle, I know there's a lot of nuance to it when it changed and when did it stop actually being the process. But let's just go back. Like, was this whole thing worth it for the Sixers, Kyle? I, I would tend to agree with Jody that TBD is a better answer right now. I would still lean yes, just in the sense of the Sixers' failures now. Like, this feels awful, obviously, watching them lose in the second round over and over and over again. They run into the Celtics' wall. They can't get over the hump, blah, blah, blah. They would have been fortunate to get here for the basically two decades prior to – the process happening and going through all this, they have more 50-win seasons in recent times than they've had in any period basically ever except for in the 1980s. So, look, they have moved forward as a franchise. Unfortunately, the people who are the biggest zealots, the biggest believers in the process, their dreams of where it was going to take the team have not panned out, and they've had to watch as teams like the Miami Heat, like the Denver Nuggets, have done it maybe a little more incrementally, have not gone through these dramatic rebuilds, that they're in the finals and they have franchise players and they have elite coaches and they have the things that Sixers fans, or at least some Sixers fans, believe they were going to get as a result of going through all this pain. Well, they, they are, and it's different. And, Jody, something Kyle hit there is interesting. Do you think the Sixers miscalculated what they needed to do? Like, obviously, they weren't very good, right? And they needed to figure out how to become great. And and the, the idea was, well, we need to tank to get high draft picks to get great players because the only way you win in the NBA is to have a collection of great players. But I, I wonder if a shift happened and, and maybe the Sixers didn't see it and we weren't ready for it. Like, Jody, the team's in the finals now. They didn't do it that way. They, nope. they, now, obviously, Miami signed Jimmy, but the Nuggets were built through the draft. I mean, they drafted Jokic in round two. They drafted Murray at number seven in the Ben draft. They drafted Michael Porter, you know, in the middle of the first round. I, I wonder if it wasn't just so much messing up the process, but the miscalculation of how you have to build a championship team. That's a big part of it. And the other uh, aspect that – and I heard Spike on with you guys before uh, I came on, and, and Kyle just said he can still come up with a yes here, which I think is ludicrous. Do people <laughs> forget how bad they were? 
I know we, we've got Joel Embiid in these 50-win seasons, and yes, coming up short, can't get out of the second round, but they packed the house every single night down there. Do you remember how bad we were? Uh, you and Joe, you were there. I mm-hmm. was there. Kyle was there. Kyle somehow had selective memory that doesn't remember that they won 10 games, 10 and 72. I, that year, every single night on Twitter after six, we would play, hey, you can't lose them all if you don't lose the first five. You can't lose them all if you don't lose the first 10. You can't lose them all if you don't lose the first 17. They were 0-17. They were an embarrassment. That's, that's strong. And you can't just take that out of the equation. We lived through it. We yeah, made it. And we're all still alive and all still rooting for the Sixers. But, my God, was it so hard to be a Sixer fan at that time. Did, that, did I miss the erasure of that from history? You didn't. I think that still exists, certainly, right, boys? Like, I, I mean, the problem was not that, like, all of us acknowledge that it was a bad period for the team, right? A very bad, we could say, embarrassing, disgraceful, whatever adjective you want to use there. You're getting closer. The point, be- the point behind it, though, was that they were using that time period to, like, the problem with the Sixers prior to the process was not just that they were – maybe a first-round, second-round ceiling-type team. It's that they had also traded away so many things to create that team. They had no real out from where they were at. It was either, you know, Evan Turner, Drew Holiday, Andre Iguodala, like those guys are going to turn into a title-winning core, or they had no way to really supplement that group. So if you want to say it was too extreme and maybe they should have had – a little bit more of a veteran role player presence so that these guys are not in like Julio Okafor's case, driving 110 miles an hour over the Ben Franklin and doing stupid stuff. And they have a little more structure on the floor. That's fine. But there's been a kind of a distortion of why they tried to do this in the first place, which is yes, they were mediocre, but it was also because they had no real path at that time available to get from mediocre to elite, and they were trying to accelerate that. Mark, Mark. Joe, let, let, let me add. So, uh, sorry, you, you want to No, you're fine. You're fine. You got, you got it. You got it. Go for it. All right. Here's where I got off the bus because I was okay with the process. When they hired Hinky, I was right there with Kyle, with Joe, with everybody else. Sixers need to rebuild. They need to take a step backward to take a step forward. There was no end date. People tried forever. Howard Eskin, every single day, trying to get Sam Hinkie to say, when are we going to actually start to see results? You, you'll you get this. If you hire a guy to invest your money, you, you give him a million dollars and say, here, build me a portfolio. And after a year, your million dollars is down to 750000 And then after two years, your million dollars is down to half a million. And after the third year, you're down to about $200,000 off a 10-win season. And you go to your investor, your, your guy, and go, well, when you promised me we were going to make money. All we do is lose money. When are we actually going to? And he says, I don't know. That was Sam Hinkie's response. He wouldn't even give a response. He would hide and push Brett Brown out in front of him and go, here, you answer all the questions. That's when I go, you can't do that. You can't just say, and this all falls on Josh Harris and the ownership. They allowed him to do it. At some point, they cracked the whip and said, Sam, answer the question. He said, I can't. And that's why they brought in Colangelo, and he turned around and was as big, if not a bigger screw-up than Hinky was. Well, I tell you, I, I can hear the, the pain in your voice. And, Joey, Matt, you kind of <laughs> answered the question for me. Because I was going to ask you, how much of this process 
would you bl- lay at the feet of, of the people that were in charge? Oh, it's hinky. It's all hinky. Now, it, it, they didn't solve the problem by pushing hinky out because they've made consistently bad hires thereafter. But hinky had to go when he went. There, there was no reason to keep him. Uh, you see, the, he got Joel, and he kind of lucked into Joel because he couldn't get up to get Higgins. He had a lucky he, tool. He, he took uh, Nerland's Noel and Julia Lokofer. We have no uh, evidence that shows if Hinky had stayed, he would have gotten all those draft picks right. Now, the guys who preceded him got almost every single one of them wrong, so they didn't exactly fix the problem, but the problem was Hinky. All right, let's go to this, guys, because, you know, we all know that it went off the rails five different ways, right? It's, it's almost like they assembled, and whether or not – you think that Hinky would have landed the plane or not, Jody? He, he was assembling draft picks and capital like, and, and uh, cap room, so they could have theoretically done done the right things if if they did it moving forward. They didn't. They made mistakes. Mm-hmm. Let's let's start with Kyle on this. Kyle, you go back through the whole thing. Which one you think, when it's all said and done, is is the move or decision that really was the one that sent it the wrong direction the most? Like, the, what's the, the biggest one. mistake of the process? Well, so this is a post-process move, but really the whole inflection point was the decision, and at the time was sensible, but to keep building around Ben Simmons. When it was a fork in the road and you see Jimmy Butler becomes the guy in 2019, who, by the way, they're able to trade for Jimmy Butler using Dario Saric and Robert Covington, two of the guys who were acquired, by going through this rebuild and having a longer timeline and so on and so forth, but... Anyway, I'm going off track here. By choosing to go on the Ben Simmons path and to stay on that. And at the time, look, it's sensible. He's a young all-star. Jimmy is cantankerous and has had personality clashes and blah, blah, blah. He's played under Tom Thibodeau. He's played all these minutes. But hindsight being 2020, you put all your chips in the Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid basket. Well, Joel Embiid, despite his playoff failures, has certainly lived up to his end of the bargain in terms of development and commitment to his craft and competitiveness, so on and so forth. Ben Simmons doesn't look like he wants to play basketball or is able to play basketball anymore. And so anchoring themselves to that guy, first by the Colangelos taking him number one overall, then backing him over Jimmy Butler in free agency when all that's happening, that is the biggest potential what if of the entire process. And you could even go back a step further. A summer before, before they trade for Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard is on the open market. The San Antonio Spurs say, the Sixers call them and say, we're interested in him. They say, we're not trading him unless you send us one of Ben or Joel. If they trade Ben Simmons for Kawhi Leonard in 2018, they win a title, period. And then we're not having any of these discussions. It's a rousing success. But, you know, that's how history works. The winners get to, uh, to celebrate, and it seems like the Sixers have to figure out what the plan is moving forward. Yeah, it's almost like just backing Ben and believing in Ben until the wheels just fell off is, is, is so much of the problem here. Jody, how about for you? Is it, is it similar? Is it another one? I mean, they made a lot of mistakes. Which one for you stands out over all these years? No, Newbeck got it right. It's, it's all about Ben Simmons from the day they drafted him. And, oh, by the way, you, a lot of people gave me a hard time when I suggested the Sixers not draft Ben Simmons. 
I wanted Brandon Ingram. I said we took an AI and that worked out well. Now we got to take a BI with the first pick in the draft. It's the first time the Sixers had the first overall pick since Allen Iverson. And oh god, my god, did I get shouted down? Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons, and then he goes and has that unbelievable couple of games in the Vegas summer league against guys who can't even uh, cover you, Douglas, on a basketball floor. <laughs> but people, people were calling him the next Magic Johnson yep. because of what he did in Vegas, which was r- ridiculous and ludicrous. Uh, so it is. Uh, but Kyle Scott, right, it's, it's Ben Simmons and everything that came thereafter. But I'll tell you one that might be just as painful, not as big, not the magnitude of, but when Hinky lets go, gets let go and Brett Brown is in charge for that short period of time, They've got the draft, and they pick Mikael Bridges. His mom works for the team. You got a homeboy staying home from Villanova. He was a sixer for about 45 minutes. Mm. And then they trade him for Zaire, who uh, couldn't play in the NBA a little bit, and they get an extra draft pick, which they turn around and trade for Tobias Harris anyway. So uh, that was probably more painful. Didn't have as big an effect as the Simmons thing did, but the whole – uh, Brett Brown had been hanging around with Hinky for so long he couldn't get out of the acquiring assets mindset that Hinky had, and they screwed that draft up too. Well, they did, and let's not forget, guys, they lost a, a season of a first-round pick to a foot injury, another one to a foot injury. Uh, Mark Helfoltz forgot how to shoot, and then let's – I'll never forget, Jody, Zaire Smith didn't play – because of a sesame sesame allergy. Remember that? He was allergic to sesame and then You mean like the sea? Uh, yeah, like, like the sea. Like they put on the yeah. McDonald's. Yeah, like he had a oh, really yeah. bad reaction to sesame. Oh. I mean it's like you oh, can't make this and stuff Joe, up. By the way, on top of that, the pick they got back, they're flipping for Tobias Harris, who then they paid him. <laughs> And then there are all kinds of repercussions of ha- having him on a now $39 million contract. So that was, to Jody's point, you could wrap four or five bad decisions. It, it all start from one transaction. Yeah, it's like just compounding mistakes. Guys, appreciate you guys both hopping on. This was a lot of fun. And, uh, Jody, I know a lot of our listeners will see you out tonight at the uh, Puddler's Kitchen and Tap in Bridgeport to the, uh, the Franskin L.A. Bedlam at the bank That should release. be a party. I will be there, and I will be getting Kyle Newbeck back on my show again because he's become a very good Sixers beat reporter. Well, that, he is excellent. That is true. Kyle, we appreciate you. We'll talk soon. And, Jody, uh, enjoy tonight, and we'll catch up soon. My pleasure, guys. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. There you. he goes. Kyle Newbeck and Jody Mackey. Did you feel it there, the two of them? At one point, no, we – I felt the pain. We, we, and we just – we turned our mics off. Jody and Kyle just they, – they used to do it all the time in the hallway, just, like, argue about the Sixers. No, I felt the pain, and I felt, you know, it was kind of hard to jump into there because – you feel the pain that that they have for this team. And I, I get it, man. I get it. But to be relevant, I mean, and I know sometimes fans forget that, but it, it's about being relevant and having a chance. But, boy, I tell you, I wasn't going to be able to tell that to either one of those guys. They are scarred. Yeah. Well, and you know what? So just in particular, Jody. You know what Jody is? I've, I always, I've appreciated this about Jody, uh, list, listening to us as I was younger and then knowing him. Jody is a watch every minute of every game guy. Mm-hmm. So I think the process probably hurt him more than other people. Like, you know, during the process, you're, you, 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 you could kind of check out on the Sixers and not really watch the games. Like, when Okafor arrived, it was mm-hmm. like, all right, let's see if he could play. Right? When Embiid finally came back from injury, let's, you wanted to see the top picks play. New Orleans, I was excited to see if he could play. But, like, some of those nights, and Kyle remember this, when they put out guys that, like, literally were not NBA players – you didn't really need to watch it. I mean, they weren't. No, they were not. They were. Yeah. They, they belong. Like, they could have been a G League team. You didn't have to watch it, but Jody is a watch every minute of every game guy. So I could, I could see why he was like, really, I'm signing up for two hours of 
I mean, guys, you can find on the street. That'll chip away at your mental health. Yeah, I mean, it will. There's, there's no question about that. 215-592-9494. for Basketball Will in Brookhaven. What's up, Basketball Will? Hey. What's Sorry. up, buddy? Hi. Yeah, um, I know you had Kyle Newbeck on, and I kind of disagree with him because um, the only thing that would happen is when we got Joel and then, you know, a couple years later, then we got Ben – I was torn between, you know, when that draft came up because, you know, we had the number one pick. And I, I believe one, two, and three was either Ben, um, Brandon Ingram, and um, Lonzo, Lonzo Ball. So, you know, that, that one was Ben, Ingram, and Jalen Brown. The, uh, oh, the, yeah, okay, Ingram, the, the yeah. Fultz year, the Fultz year was Fultz, That's Ball, right. and then Tatum. Right. And, I, and I, I swear, man, when I was working downtown, um, me and my coworkers, we were torn between Brandon Ingram and Ben Simmons. The only reason why I leaned towards Ben because his, you know, he had more athleticism, but I didn't like how he ended his career at LSU. That's why I was kind of torn, you know, between Brandon Ingram more so than Ben Simmons. But really, what went wrong to me is when the league forced uh, Brian Colangelo on us. That's what I think messed us up downhill after that. Because once we got uh, Colangelo, it was the, uh, the 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 actual burner phone he had. I mean, it was just stuff just going, just kept going on, going on with him being here, and and I mean Ben, you know, he drafted Ben, and at that time Ben was there. But I didn't like his attitude when he was at LSU. Like I, I was leading towards more of Brandon Ingram. And not to just say, what if we had Brandon Ingram? Well, he's better. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't, and I don't think Ingram's great, but he's better, and he's he's certainly playing in the league. And Hugh, you brought up that before with Ben Simmons. Listen, that's the that's the the thing that I remember about Ben Simmons vividly. They were playing Texas, Texas A&M, and he Mm -hmm. was he was coming up. He was chilling. He was out there like bump this. I'm going to the NBA. I ain't got to be in this. And I just was like, wow. No, that that was the game I remember because I was in Texas. I was in Houston at the time at, at my cousin's house, and we were watching the game, but I'm like, wow, he is really not caring. He really didn't hey, care. Hey, hey, Hugh, I don't mean to cut you off, but remember the other one when they had a chance to get to the um, NIT, and, he, and he, he, turned, he told the coach he didn't want to play in the yep. NIT. Man, he he had all, it was all oh, kind man, of telltale was, signs where he didn't want to do it. You know what? But that was too good for him. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes I think we, we try to ignore signs from players or people like – Obviously, he didn't love basketball. I mean, that, that, it's it's so obvious now he doesn't love basketball, Will. But, like, the Sixers ignored it. We ignored it. And, Will, we appreciate the phone call. It, Hugh, it was obvious. Ben Simmons doesn't love basketball. And, and see, but but here's the thing. He had so much talent. He knew he was going to get paid. And, and that's the problem because you were going to pay him. And he got paid. And now he's out there taking pictures of, of him sitting in his lavish, wherever he was, you know, watching the game, watching the Sixers lose. Well, care. yeah, he didn't care. And I, I still don't think he cares. 215-592-9494. It is how you hop aboard on this process day. As we relitigate the process, was it worth it? We'll give you the poll answer, what people are saying on our show, and all your phone calls as well. 215-592-9494. And is Ike Reese really still drinking the process too late? Does he actually think this thing was worth it? Well, he may also need to answer for another member of his show yesterday. Let's just say they had a heck of a day in the afternoon show yesterday. A couple of those guys are losing it. We'll take you right out to Mark Cerise. Ike joins us next on Sports Radio.